You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to the Spectral Skull Session. I'm your host, Dane. Our session today will be examining Uh, U.S. military intelligence and civilian efforts to mobilize and investigate UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, seeing the possible coalescence of a nexus of highly funded civilian, military, and intelligence operations to explore the UAP phenomenon. Now, earlier this year, Earlier this year, Representative Ruben Gallego of Arizona amended the 2020 National Defense Authorization Act to establish a permanent Pentagon office to collect information on UAPs. But then this November, on the 4th, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand submitted a much longer, more detailed amendment. This amendment would establish a Anomaly Surveillance and Resolution Office. The amendment has four key components. First, it delegates authority to collect information on UAPs to the Secretary of Defense and Director of National Intelligence. It specifically asks them to develop standardized reporting protocols in order to gather standardized information about what people are seeing. So these would be Defense Department uh, personnel, what Defense Department personnel are seeing in the skies. Uh, It's widely believed this will undercut the stigma that still persists in the military of reporting on UAPs. The amendment also asks for yearly reports and semi-annual briefings on UAPs be delivered to Congress, and it specifies certain subtopics that need to be included in this report. For example, evidence that a foreign adversary has achieved breakthrough capabilities, adverse physiological effects, and UAP activity associated with nuclear technology. It also has a science plan. I'm just going to read the science plan section to you verbatim. Quote, science plan. The head of the office shall supervise the development and execution of a science plan on behalf of the secretary and the director to develop and test as practicable, scientific theories to account for characteristics and performance of unidentified aerial phenomenon that exceed the known state-of-the-art in science or technology, including in the areas of propulsion, aerodynamic control, signatures, structures, materials, sensors, countermeasures, weapons, electronics, and power generation, and to provide the foundation for potential future investments to replicate any such advanced characteristics and performance. 
and the amendment mandates the creation of a civilian advisory panel. This advisory panel would have 20 different members to advise the office on their work on UAPs. These 20 members would come from such places as NASA, Federal Aviation Administration, National Academies of Sciences, National Academy of Engineering, Academy of Medicine, Scientific Coalition for Unidentified Aerospace Phenomena Studies. These civilian scientists and engineers would receive classified security clearance and be authorized to go through the material made available to them by the office and assist in the preparation of briefings and the development of the science plan. This amendment has not yet passed. It is enjoying bipartisan support from the media. I've seen articles from the Washington Examiner, The Hill, and Politico that all speak highly of this amendment. And for analysis, I hope it passes myself. I've had some misgivings about the creation of a science plan because it sounds like christening of a new research paradigm, a UAP research paradigm. My concern is that UAP science should not be segregated from normal science. And so a little bit of a concern there that you could create a little uh, community of people who are UFO enthusiasts and want to focus on the idea that these UAPs have new means of propulsion we don't understand and that such research could just become an opportunity for people to spin off into weird tangents. And um, this has happened before. Robert Bigelow, the aerospace tycoon, secured a significant sum of money from the U.S. Senate by means of Senator Harry Reid. He created the, the National Institute for Discovery Science. So it was actually, it was his association, National Institute for Discovery Science, but he got a ton of money from the Pentagon, and they went and studied uh, mysterious phenomenon at Skinwalker Ranch. But, but, my understanding is that they produced nothing more than a bunch of papers, research papers on wormholes and time travel, and that that stuff uh, has been buried and isn't being released by the Pentagon. My source on this is Jason Cavolito, who wrote an excellent piece for the New Republic titled How Washington Got Hooked on Flying Saucers. And more generally, I'm skeptical of large government top-down efforts to do science. Uh, We're going to organize a new science plan. Um, I worry that's going to just not go anywhere. But then there isn't any money attached to this part of the amendment, so it's not clear to me how much money they really want to throw into the science plan. And it could just be that we're getting people talking about we need to do research on what these things are and how they operate. Now, there's one group that unusually gets allocated three members to that science advisory board I was telling you about, and that's the Galileo Project. I saw that and I said, well, what, what's the Galileo Project? Because I recognized all the other groups. I did not recognize the Galileo Project. So I looked this up. Galileo Project is now our second story. They are a civilian outfit run by Harvard astronomer A.V. Loeb. He made waves back in 2017 
when he announced that we had discovered our first evidence of extraterrestrial visitors, he had been studying an object that flew through our solar system. This is this part, undisputed scientific fact. Our solar system was visited in 2017 by an object that was around 100 meters long. It was called Oumuamua, which is Hawaiian for scout because it was named by its discoverers. They were astronomers operating out of Hawaii. This thing, widely believed to have come from another star system, came close within the orbit of the Earth to our own sun before vrooming away back into deep space. And again, undisputed scientific fact, it was unusually bright, it was unusually long and thin, and it accelerated as it departed. Evi Loeb, well-respected astronomer, came out and said, I think the best explanation for what Oumuamua was is a solar sail. So he thinks the best way of explaining its acceleration is that it's a uh, very, very thin piece of metal. And if a piece of metal is very thin, it can basically catch the sunlight and get pushed away from the sun. So the other astronomers, they all acknowledge, yes, this thing accelerated as it moved away from the sun. They say the best explanation is that it was a comet. If Loeb says if it was a comet, we would have seen outgassing. It would have given off a cloud and had a tail, but we couldn't see any evidence of a tail. And anyway, it would have lost a significant amount of mass in order to do the acceleration that it did. And furthermore, it accelerated perfectly in accordance with the hypothesis that it was a solar sail because its rate of acceleration diminished with its distance from the sun at such a rate that suggests solar sail and not comet. So he, he assembled all this evidence and put it together. He wrote a whole book about it called Extraterrestrial, in which he argues not only that Uamuamua was a solar sail, but furthermore, that the, the scientific community is very close-minded on all matters related to extraterrestrial life. And so, in the aftermath of the Oumuamua controversy, he founded this group called the Galileo Project. The Galileo Project took private donations that he received for being outspoken about Oumuamua, and they have dedicated themselves to uh, looking for extraterrestrial artifacts in our solar system. So they're looking, they're buying time on telescopes to search for alien space probes that are already here. They think, for example, there could be alien space probes in orbit near Jupiter. Or aliens may have parked something in the asteroid belt. They're looking for normal stuff, the kind of normal stuff that's similar to what we would build if we were to send a probe to another solar system. So to take a step back and reiterate the big picture here, this private research project run out of Harvard is given three seats on the scientific advisory board in the amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that was written by Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. 
And I was surprised to see that the Galileo Project is pretty sympathetic to UAPs in our airspace. So here's a quote from their website. Quote, The ODNI report delivered to Congress on June 25, 2021, mentions many unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, the nature of which is unknown. The report states, quote, A majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors to include radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observation. Four years earlier, on October 19, 2017, astronomers discovered the first interstellar object from outside the solar system called Oumuamua. The object did not resemble any comet or asteroid observed before. It was inferred to have a flat shape and moved away from the sun as if it were thin enough to be pushed by sunlight. Moreover, this pancake-shaped object tumbled every eight hours and originated from the rare state of the local standard of rest, which averages over the motions of all stars in the vicinity of the sun. The existing data on UAP and Oumuamua are sufficiently anomalous to motivate the collection of additional data on UAP or Oumuamua-like objects and to test whether such objects may be astro-archaeological artifacts or active technological equipment produced by one or more putative existing or extinct extraterrestrial technological civilizations. So this is unbelievable to me to see a Harvard tenured astrophysicist with an incredible track record of publications developing a research program around the idea that we should be searching for aliens right here, right here in our own solar system, right here in our own aerospace. Now, I do need to say that from going through the Galileo Project's uh, website, I saw that they have said, we will not be looking at classified intelligence. We will not be going back and looking at old data that has already been collected or investigating reports about, you know, flying saucers crashing on the Earth. And this is in keeping with there being a scientific program, because when you're a scientist, you really need to have access to your instruments. You can't just take raw data delivered to you by a guy in a trench coat and then do science on the raw data, right? You need to know, um, you need to be able to look at your instruments and figure out, are they operating correctly? How do they work? Here's an example to illustrate what I'm getting at. Uh, They are discovering every month now unusual radio signals coming from deep space. They're called candidate signals. And so uh, different SCTI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Operations, are finding these weird signals. And... uh, 90% of them or more turn out to be some satellite already in orbit around the Earth that interfered with the telescope, or I've heard of cases where somebody was running a microwave. Literally, they were heating up their lunch at the time they were doing the recording, and the microwave caused some interference. So you have to be able to go and do forensics on your own equipment after you make a discovery of a signature. And so it's reasonable for these science guys to be like, we don't want to get into the classified stuff. We don't want want to get into the weeds on things like Roswell um, or even 
more recently recorded data, like the the tic-tac type observation made by uh, F-18s over the uh, Pacific Ocean near California in the early 2000s. You know, they, they don't want to get into that stuff. It's old data. They can't go through the instrumentation. They can't reproduce it. So they're doing their own thing. But it's very interesting that they're already written into legislation. Well, not written in yet, but they're written into proposed legislation as science advisors who would be working hand-in-hand with people who have access to classified intel. And, of course, they would be getting uh, security clearance in order to sit on this advisory board. At this stage, I don't really know what more we could ask for than the existence of two parallel research projects at the national level exploring UAPs. One uh, permanent Department of Defense operation investigating UAPs in our airspace, and the other uh, civilian operation using open source data and unclassified instruments to look for UAP activity in our solar system. And then finally, to have those two projects some ways working together, so at least communicating with each other. I hope Senator Gillibrand's amendment passes, and I will be keeping my eye on this story. But there is something more to say. It's not all science and sunshine, folks. There's a dark side to this story that I have uncovered from doing some research. Okay, it's not necessarily a dark side, but it's something mysterious that's come up that has a potential conspiratorial dimension to my mind. There was already an amendment attached to the National Defense Authorization Act creating a permanent office to investigate UAPs. On October 7th, 2021, Christopher Mellon, a former government official turned private investor who has been very outspoken about UAPs and the importance of investigating them, he published an editorial on his blog calling for a revision to that original UAP amendment. His recommendations seem to have been fully integrated into Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's new amendment. So he publishes his blog post October 7th, and his original blog post mentions the Galileo Project. It says, quote, The Galileo Project, a purely civilian effort to study UAPs led by the former chairman of the Harvard Astronomy Department, is evidence of this recent transformation. The many scientists belonging to the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies offer further proof of serious scientific interest in the UAP issue. In light of such interest, either Congress or the executive branch could establish a panel of cleared civilian engineers and scientists willing to advise and assist USG collection and analysis efforts. The panel could be formed under NASA auspices or those of the DOD or the IC. Either way, there is ample precedent for such collaboration. He mentions the Galileo Project by name. Then, October 31st, 2021, he announces on his Twitter, I am proud to report that I am now a science affiliate of the Galileo Project. And then, four days later, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand introduces her amendment that gives the Galileo Project three members on the Scientific Advisory Board. 
So it sounds like there's a little bit of a circularity going on here that the Galileo Project is hiring a guy who wrote the legislation that puts the Galileo Project into the government. There is something a little bit revolving door-esque going on here. And it might not just be anything more than, um, you know, these are the technical experts on UAPs and some, you know, good faith politicians see that these are the guys and they ought to have authority. So we're basically giving them the authority that they ought to have. But if I may be so bold, I would like to say that Christopher Mellon has kind of freaked me out before. He appears in that uh, Jeremy Corbell documentary, The Phenomena, and I swear that guy is getting younger. He is in his 60s. He served under both the H.W. Uh, Bush administration and he served under the Clinton administration. He is an old guy. He looks like he's in his 30s. He looks like he's getting younger all the time. What's going on with that? No further speculation coming from me, but I just thought I'd put that out there. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on this story, and I'm going to keep an eye on how there's a little, there's a tightly knit cabal of people who, you know, they have former, US, former government experience, and now they're involved in different kinds of UAP um, associations outside of the government, and they're sort of looking to get back into the government. There's something going on there that I'm going to keep tracking as best as I can. Overall, I'm excited about these developments. I really think it will be good to get more scientific and um, military attention onto the UAPs. We need to figure out what they are quickly and, um, and how to deal with them. And uh, Okay, and I would also like to say quickly a shout out. Uh, Jason Cavalito, who is this author and researcher, now he's a skeptic. I've had a very uh, fruitful exchange with him. Uh, I just wrote him about his article that I mentioned already in The New Republic. And so even though he's a skeptic, he's kind of an intense skeptic, by the way. And he has his own conspiracy theory. No, it's not a conspiracy theory. But um, he has his own theory about what's going on with a lot of this UFO stuff. Um, I would recommend taking a look at his work for uh, the other point of view on uh, UFO research in the United States. Because I thought the article, How Washington Got Hooked on Flying Saucers, was pretty good. I did not appreciate the part. He denigrates the Jacques Vallée uh, school of thought on UFOs as space, space poltergeists. I don't like that. Uh, for those of you who know about this, it's a little bit of inside baseball on the UFO world, but Jacques Vallée is a French scientist, and I've reported on his works many times on the show. Uh, he has one of the most creative, outside-the-box views where he thinks that the way aliens present themselves in close encounters does not correspond in any meaningful way to their actual physical appearance. They may not have a physical appearance in his theory because he says they've been appearing to us ac across history. Many different forms, sometimes as elves, sometimes as angels. Some now, now they show up as greys or reptilians. And... Uh, 
you know, we call this school of thought the ultra-terrestrials. This is the school of thought that the things that are showing up in our skies or visiting with people on a person-to-person basis, um, they don't look like the way they appear, and they've been here a very, very long time. They seem to almost be native to our planet, hence ultra-terrestrial instead of extraterrestrial. Another person in this school of thought would be uh, John Keel, who is an American journalist who writes extensively about the ultra-terrestrials. He call, I think he coined the term ultra-terrestrials, actually. Anyway, so I didn't realize that this school of thought was more influential back in the 70s and persisting until today than uh, has been widely appreciated. And uh, he derides the school of thought as space poltergeists, right? Because they're not, they're like ghostly phenomena. So another feature of the ultra-terrestrial viewpoint is that the ultra-terrestrials are uh, also responsible for some psi phenomena. So some like, you know, haunting communication through ESP, that some of that stuff is somehow connected to them. So that, hence, space poltergeist. And uh, so some of the space poltergeist researchers, I hate to use the term, ultra-terrestrialists, some of the ultra-terrestrialists were apparently in the CIA through the 70s and 80s and did some work on psychic technology. And these are the same kinds of people who are also advocating for UFO research. And now I guess we're looking at a second generation of ultra-terrestrial theorists caught up with the UFO research stuff. I guess I'd like to clear the air on my own view on ultra-terrestrials. I actually take the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis really seriously, um, but I don't think it's space poltergeists. So I think the idea that these things have been interacting with us for millennia and they don't look like the way they're appearing to us now because they've appeared in so many different guises over the eras that they must just be assuming um, a guise that's culturally specific. I think that's reasonable. I also don't think that's inconsistent with there being just outright aliens. There could be, you know, in a Philip K. Dickian mode, there could be like a ancient satellites in orbit around the Earth that cause people to have strange experiences and then people just project onto their experience um, whatever uh, physical appearance they're culturally accustomed to. So, you know, if you're a religious person living in the Dark Ages, you see angels. If you're living in the United Kingdom in the 19th century, maybe you see elves. And if you're a human being in the United States in the 21st century, maybe you see greys or reptilians. That's possible. And, you know, that's, it doesn't necessarily mean they're space poltergeists. Oh, they could be. They could. Maybe they have no physical form. Maybe they're more like demons. There's the evangelical community in the United States that's been saying UFOs are just demons. That's possible, too. I'm open to all of that. But, um, you know, I, I, I think the idea that they've been visiting us for a long time is something that needs to be on the table. At the same time, I laud the Galileo Project circumscribing that stuff and saying we won't go into that we're just going to look at unclassified instrument reports we're going to do our own experiments our own searches to find live alien equipment in the solar system uh you gotta put limits on how your research gets conducted and i see no reason why i, I can't 
at the same time, be enthusiastic about different research projects that have entirely different uh, metaphysical and epistemological assumptions guiding them. Because I don't know. I don't have any strong metaphysical commitments about these things. Uh, they could be aliens, concrete physical visitors from another planet that operate within our level of technology. They're scientifically just a little more advanced than us. You know, they could be from another dimension. They're popping in and out of our reality. They could be non-physical things. They could be physical things that project themselves as hallucinations. They beam themselves directly into our minds. You know, and as you start to canvas the wide range of possibilities, you start to sound crazy. And so I think it's better just to say I'm open to anything that's out there. But I appreciate when people say, well, here are our assumptions. And so we're going to proceed from a certain you know, fixed set of assumptions, and we're going to see where we can get. Because you're not going to get anywhere as long as you just keep saying, well, anything's possible. It could be this, it could be that. You're going to have to start somewhere and then move forward. Many people can start from a different somewhere and see how far they can get from those different somewheres. I'm just excited to know that we're all doing it. We're all doing the work. And uh, we will continue to do our part here on the Spectral Skull Session to keep track of all this research that is going on. The wide variety of research programs that are happening around the United States and around the globe. For the Spectral Skull Session, I have been Dane. Until next time, stay strange and stay sane.